Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to College Football Live and yet another episode into the soap opera that is the Pac-12 media deal. Earlier today, Pac-12 presidents and athletic directors met to discuss the details of their new media rights deal, but sources say they left without reaching an official agreement. Of course, their current television deal expires in 2024. Why that is big news? Because of this. ACC in the midst of a 20-year deal with ESPN that goes to 2036. Big 12 just signed a six-year extension worth $2.3 billion with Fox and ESPN. Big 10 signed a seven-year deal with CBS, Fox, and NBC worth $7 billion. And next year, of course, a 10-year deal between the SEC and ESPN will begin. I'm Peter Burns. Uh, we'll be joined by Greg McElroy and Sam Acho in a couple of moments. But Pete Thamel has been on top of this story. Pete, uh, what can you tell us about today's meeting with the Pac-12, the presidents and the ADs? Well, Peter, uh, as this story has dragged on, the, I think the most important thing is there's no specific uh, resolution today. N- nobody's running to another league. Nobody's signing a television deal tonight. But we do have a little bit of clarity on what a Pac-12 TV deal could look like. And that means we could be watching the Apple Cup on Apple. Uh, Sources told ESPN today that Apple has emerged and was given as an option today as a primary streaming partner of the Pac-12. The numbers are a little bit muddled and hard to digest, and that's what some of these presidents and chancellors are doing right now, bringing them back. It would be incentive and subscription-based, which gives it a high upside, but it does start a little bit low. Uh, There's also some general concerns, as the presidents have expressed all along, Peter, about visibility. Will people be able to see these Pac-12 programs on Apple Plus? Pete, with that being said, obviously they have this this president's meeting, the athletic directors. They all kind of play nice right now. But how big of a pivot point was today's meeting regarding what phone calls are being made right afterwards? Well, I I think the most important part of today is at least there's finally some clarity. Uh, These presidents and athletic directors have basically been begging for numbers and begging for potential partners um, for four months. And George Klyovkov came through with a potential deal. Uh, There's some positives. Aligning with Apple is not a bad thing. Uh, It's one of the, the, the most dominant companies in the world. There are some drawbacks. The exposure piece would certainly give some old-school athletic directors pause. Uh, so I think they're going to go back and huddle, and I, and I still think the future here is, is is muddled. We're not really much closer one way or another to some definitive resolution. And, Pete, last question for you. Obviously, in a couple hours, the Arizona Board of Regents is going to meet. Um, what do we expect, if anything, to learn? Because it's not just Arizona. It's Arizona State, northern Arizona, of course, in those meetings as well. Yes, yeah, so the, the Arizona State Board meeting, uh, I should say State of Arizona Board meeting, uh, which includes both Arizona and Arizona State, I think is like a check-in on where things are right now. Arizona's obviously been the most heavily courted school by the Big 12 
um, going forward. I think there's a general preference in the state of Arizona, both at the government level and the board level, for the two schools to be bound together. And I think this is a check-in with the important people in the state of Arizona to say, okay, what are our options? Where are we? Where will we go forward? I do not expect a vote. It's an executive session. Um, I just think they're going to take the temperature of where they are and where they could push forward. I'd like to be a fly on, the, on that wall right there. And you've done a great job reporting on it, Pete. We appreciate the time. All right, now we bring in Sam Acho and Greg McElroy. Sam, you heard what Peaches had to say, meetings, but we don't really know what we learned. What's the temperature you think like right now in the Pac-12? Well, I think at least a $20 million deal with Apple gives you something to hold on to, though it's significantly lower than you look at the different deals with the Big 12 or you look at the deal, obviously the SEC, like the, t the money that the, t that the teams are getting. But at least it gives you something to, for lack of better terms, fall back on. We've talked about that upside when it comes to subscriptions. There's a higher side for making more money per each school. But I have a little bit of pause when I think about a streaming-only service, especially being someone who may not want to watch it a game on streaming. And so that's where I lean back a little bit, but at least there's something to take back to the table. Whatever it is they go with, it's got to be a short-term deal because I listened to what Pete just had to say and, and I realized that Apple Plus subscriptions and Apple Plus placement is not going to compare to that of the programmed college football viewer by going to ESPN, ABC, Fox, FS1. You're not going to be pre-programmed to go on your Apple TV, pull up Apple TV Plus and watch Oregon State take on Washington State. So I think that there's an issue there, but we need to remember this. Whether Arizona leaves or doesn't leave, Arizona State, Utah, they've been rumored about maybe flirting with the idea of joining the Big 12. Let's not lose track of the idea that in 2024, the 12-team playoff comes to fruition. And as of right now, the Pac-12 has an automatic qualifier attached to its conference championship. So if you're a school like, say, Oregon at the moment, Phil Knight, can he take that $20 million from Apple and then make up the difference between what you would have gotten in the Big 12 or elsewhere? Probably so, because access to the playoff for teams like Washington and for Oregon might be more important than jumping to the Big 12 for an additional $10, $12, 15000000 million a year. I think about access to the big to, to the college football playoff, Greg, but also think about access to viewers, the point that you started with. If you're a college football fan, you're sitting on your couch, you're grabbing some whatever drink of choice, some food of choice, you're turning on ESPN, Fox, FS1, ABC, you're not going on your phone to Apple Plus, even if you've got to plug it in, you're not necessarily doing that. And so I understand, I get excited in some ways about the potential upside, but will that upside be reached on a streaming-only service? That's where the concern dwells and lies for me. Overall, when you look at this right now, and I want to go back to that point you made, uh, McElroy, do you think that there is that a lot of value about getting into the playoff and maybe more so kind of an uneven uh, revenue dis distribution for playoff shares for maybe an Oregon or Washington as an incentive to stay in the Pac-12? Well, I don't know the specifics of what the college football playoff shares look like. I don't know how they're divvied up amongst conference members. That's all a little above my pay grade. I like X's and O's. Uh, <laughs> zeros and commas are a little bit foreign to me. But what I am really curious in is I do think a school like Oregon in particular, Washington in particular, and, and even to a lesser extent, Utah, a lot of people have said, well, Utah 
has been a prime suspect for the Big 12, but is Utah more likely to make the playoff in the Big 12 or are they more likely to make the playoff in the Pac-12 where they've won two consecutive conference championships? And I actually think if I'm one of those three schools where I really have the upside in the near term to compete at the highest level of college football, I don't want to mess with the status quo. Yeah, it'd be great to get Big Ten money or to get SEC money, but the difference between Big 12 money and Pac-12 money is not that significant. And I think with a collection of boosters that sees playoff potential, I think they could easily fortify that gap. So I think that's a big reason why there's a lot of teams that aren't in a real hurry to make decisions right now and because I think everyone's gauging exactly what the world might look like in the 12-team playoff era. Yeah, you can ask Nebraska. they got a boatload of money to go to the Big Ten, but really haven't been a factor in that conference where they were so over back in the Big 12. A lot more coming up on College Football Live, including uh, news out of Northwestern today. Northwestern has hired former U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch to lead investigations into the athletic department's culture and accountability mechanisms following allegations of hazing and mistreatment that have impacted several of the school's sports programs. Now, the school has not announced a timetable for Lynch's review, but did state that the, their findings will be made public, unlike the university commission investigation on the football program earlier this year over at Northwestern. All right, coming up on College Football Live, let's talk some good news about the Pac-12, shall we? Super competitive league. We'll get the guys' thoughts on who could be a dark horse to win the conference and who's the most dangerous. And training camp starts across the country for college football. It's almost here. We'll dive into the biggest storylines, including a team without a coach and a team without a starting quarterback. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to College Football Live. Let's take a look at the Pac-12 for just a moment, huh? Utah looking to three-peat as Pac-12 champs after knocking USC out of the playoff picture in last year's conference title game. Utes looking to be the first team to do that since Oregon did it back in 2009 to 2011. And there he is at USC. Caleb Williams looking to join Archie Griffin as the only players to win multiple Heisman trophies. Last year, Williams began the seventh player in FBS history, 40 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns in a season. It's Lincoln Riley. And Williams isn't the only big QB in the conference. Michael Penix Jr. back at Washington. Bo Nix at Oregon and former Clemson quarterback DJ Uangalale landed over at Oregon State. All right, there's been so much negativity around the Pac-12, guys. Let's actually smile and realize it might be the most exciting conference uh, top to bottom. So, Acho, I want you to explain this to me. Finish this sentence. The most exciting thing about the Pac-12 this season is what? 
Michael Penix Jr. and that offense. Last year, we forget, they went 11-2. They won seven straight games. Michael Penix Jr. threw for over 4,600 yards and 31 touchdowns. You have a Dunze on the outside. Another year with Kalen DeBoer. I cannot wait to see what this offense looks like. Michael Penix, we don't talk about him enough. We talk about Caleb Williams, and rightfully so. But this is a name that we need to get back on our radar when it comes to some of these bigger conversations in college football. It's just the sheer parody of the league. I mean, on any given Saturday, the worst team in the Pac-12 could, in theory, beat the best team in the Pac-12. We've seen it happen over the course of time. And when you look at the depth of the league, it is the only Power 5 league right now where I believe literally half the teams can maybe win the league. I think USC can. Utah can and has. Washington, like Sam just alluded, is on the way up for sure. UCLA remains dangerous if they can figure out the quarterback situation. Oregon and Oregon State run different styles of attack, but I think Oregon State's a very difficult team to match up with, and a lot of people don't need to sell you on Oregon's ability to potentially win the league. So I think the depth and the quality of the league is what makes it really exciting, the fact that any given week, you never know what the outcomes might be. Yeah, and plus, uh, Greg, to build upon that, think about the Donnybrook, that is, of Colorado leaving and what Dan Landing had to say about him in UCLA and USC. Everybody wants to get their last punches in. It's going to be drama. All right, Sam, most dangerous team in the Pac-12 not named Southern Cal. Well, it's the team that beat Southern Cal twice last year, and it's going to be Utah. Utah is not afraid of Southern Cal or Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams made his declaration about winning the Pac-12 and going to the playoffs and all the things. Utah smacked them in the mouth twice last year. And I get it. There were some close games. The early, early game was close. But physically, Utah's just a physically imposing football team. Offensively, love to run the ball. Then defensively, they're physical. I think that's why they're the most dangerous team in this league because of the, how physical they are and how they've already beat what we all perceive to be the new beast. Well, I'm trying to figure out well, how do we define dangerous now? Because I feel like the former reigning <laughs> champ back-to-back -back Rose Bowl appearances, are if they're dangerous, then by me, I'll, I guess I missed the boat. I'm looking more towards the bottom of the league, elite, a team that is going to finish 7th, 8th, ninth, maybe in the preseason prognostications, but they can beat anybody. And one, I have two of them, one is Arizona. Jane Delora last year was an absolute program changer. Now, here's the problem. He had six 300-yard passing games, but he also had 13 interceptions. He runs around, he makes plays a little bit chaotic with the football, but if he can be a little bit more sound, he'll be in great shape. And then Washington State would be the other. 26-year-old Ben Arbuckle, who's coming over from Western Kentucky, is going to incorporate an offense where they're not going to get completely away from the air raid that they ran with success last year with second-year quarterback Cam Ward. They're going to now stretch the field vertically. So imagine... For those that have watched maybe SEC football or Big 12 football back in the day, imagine a little bit more Tennessee-ish when it comes to their offense when they take shots down the field, a little more TCU-ish like what we saw from them last year. Imagine that at Washington State with a really high-quality quarterback. They could pull off a lot of upsets.
Yeah, the Hilltopper offense rolling out west. Looking forward to that. All right, Greg, how about this when you look at it? How about a dark horse, right? You talked about some of the dangerous teams, but a team that's not picked as one of the favorites overall because here's what it looks like as far as what the odds makers are saying, the favorites to win it. According to our ESPN Analytics team, 73% say the Trojans, but pretty well balanced everywhere else at Oregon, Utah, Oregon State, and Washington. So, GMAC, when you look at that, is there a team that you say, wait, why is that so low when you look at those percentages? Well, I like the matchups in the league, and I don't think there's anyone in the league that wants to play Utah. I don't think there's anybody in the league that wants to play Oregon State. Oregon State and Jonathan Smith has built his alma mater into a predictable, physical machine along the line of scrimmage. We know who they are, okay? They are a group that wants to establish the line of scrimmage offensively. They return several key players along the offensive line. It might be the best offensive line in school history, and they bring back the running back of the future in the Pac-12, perhaps, and Damian Martinez, who had a great year last year and route to all Pac-12 honors. So I think when you look at that run game comped with DJ Uwe Ungalale, an experienced player that did make strides from 21 to 22 at Clemson, now he gets to go kind of operate under the radar a little bit with a run-first approach. I think this is a good recipe for the offense, and we know the defense with the way they complement each other will be excellent as well. And the team I'm going to go with is a team that's picked fifth, at least on that graphic we just showed. It's that same Washington Huskies football team. We actually talked about the offense already and how potent they are, but there are some studs on that defensive line as well. They have a pass rush coach by the name of Ben Creamer who's helping create some dominant defensive performances. These guys have actually, uh, he's coached guys who have been in the NFL and played at a high level. So you have top draft picks, projected guys on the D-line, on the O-line, not to mention a wide receiver and at quarterback. That's why, in my opinion, this team is so dangerous. They could beat anybody. I'm going to check my phone here in a couple of minutes. We'll get a text from Chip Kelly at any point going, guys, you talked all about the Pac-12. You didn't talk about the Bruins whatsoever. Chip, we still love you. Um, all right, we got a lot more coming up on College Football Live. And remember, we are 25 days away from the start of college football. Let's get you ready. I don't know about you, but I love college football. What a play by Caleb Williams. Jared Burst arrives in the ACC. Moves it to the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr. Powers tips it to himself. Breaking tackle. Look at the tight end. Pass is long. Daniels. End zone. Caught. Kansas wins it here. New era. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Football around the corner Saturday. Once again, we'll have the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. 
over on ESPN. The class of 2023, Rondé Barber, Daryl Revis, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, DeMarcus Ware, and others. Coverage begins at noon Eastern and can also be found over on the ESPN app. I'm starting to get old when I start thinking about those guys. Uh, they were my favorite players, and now they're already available to play in the Hall of Fame. Um, Greg McElroy, Peter Burns, Sam Macho here. Guys, training camp is starting across the country. I want to get into some camp storylines. Let's go up to Ann Arbor, where I think it's a really intriguing Michigan Wolverines squad. Back-to-back -back really solid years for the Wolverines, including that college football playoff berth and beating Ohio State twice. But a lot of eyes are going to be on that guy right there. Jim Harbaugh possibly having to navigate the first four games of the season, not being on the sidelines, reported to be suspended because of his involvement in an NCAA investigation. Now, when you look at what the schedule looks like for the Wolverines, first four games all at home against three group of five teams and a Rutgers squad that went four and eight last year. He's expected to make his debut at Lincoln against Matt Rule the following week. So, McElroy, how much... Is that possible suspension for Jim Harbaugh going to be a distraction for this pretty good Wolverine squad? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, the amount of distractions is going to be about a 1.5. If anything, I actually think, Sam, it could kind of serve as a rallying cry for the locker room and say, hey, they're taking our leader from us for, you know, buying a burger. I mean, it's ridiculous why he's being suspended to begin with, especially with where we've gone in the world of NIL, it just shouldn't be a big deal. But either way, it is what it is. I think if there's one thing that it could do, though, is it could force everybody in the locker room to become more player-led. And player-led teams are ultimately going to be better off down the road because of the accountability that's actually had within the locker room. So, Sam, I don't think there's any chance of them losing one of those first four. But if anything, the long-term effect of them losing their leader could be beneficial for the overall health of the team. Yeah, Greg, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think what this team is going to do, as you mentioned, is rally around the loss of their of their coach, of their captain, of the face in so many ways of the program. You, you, know, you know what it's like to be on a team where you have a strong leader, especially that strong leader being your head coach. It's already instilled in your brain that, hey, it's us against the world. And this, this four-game suspension even proves it even more, number one. And number two, to your point, what an opportunity for J.J. McCarthy in his second year starting. What an opportunity for Blake Corum coming back for another year. What an opportunity for all the leaders of this locker room to step up and lead without having Harbaugh, Harbaugh there to try and lead with them. And so I think it's going to be nothing but good news for this Michigan football team. I think it'll build resolve for them when the going actually gets tough and they play some tougher opponents. But there's no better opportunity than this four-game suspension. Yes, yeah, Sam, but they're also approaching this season in a different way. Normally, the last couple of years, they've been looked at as the underdog. Now they're being the hunted. That's a little bit of, of a different situation mentally to come into the year, right? But it's, it's different, but it's not different for Jim Harbaugh. Remember, Jim Harbaugh has been, been at dominant programs before. At Stanford, he built that program into a beast. And then he went to San Francisco. I remember playing him when I was with the Cardinals. He was with the 49ers. He built that program, took them to NFC championships and Super Bowls. And so Jim Harbaugh is not is – not, it's not new. This is not new for him. Put it that way. He's been trying to get his program to a point – where you have to understand we are going to be the hunted, and let's be comfortable with that. Let's embrace that. That's everything Jim Harbaugh is about. I think so much of it now has kind of gone away from Jim Harbaugh, and it's on the players. The veteran locker room, 
led by a quarterback that you referenced already in J.J. McCarthy, who Jim Harbaugh has already this offseason described as a once-in-a-generation player at the university, which to me is about as high a praise as you could possibly imagine. Last year, remember, he went into last season competing with Cade McNamara for the starting reps. He split them in the spring, he split them in the summer, he split them in the fall, and then they actually split the starts in the first two games of the season. Now he's gotten the entire offseason worth of one reps. I would expect significant growth by him at the position, and he's, I think, a big reason why not only are they going to be the hunted, but they might have actually separated from Ohio State even more mm -hmm. so than they were the last two seasons. Real, real quick, more pressure on him, GMAC. Ohio State or Michigan this year? Ohio State, because Michigan has in some ways taken hold of the Big Ten and they have the recipe. So I think Ohio State's, they're the one, if they lose three in a row to their bid rival, that's going to be tough to overcome. Sam? There it is. I see, you, I, yeah, I, I, see you, I see you shaking your head. I'm upset because I wanted to ask Alabama quarterback questions, but it was the filibuster for McElroy that did us in. Uh, join us tomorrow, 430, over on ESPN2.